everyone and welcome to Glitch Free Gaming episode 175. Yes, got it right. No, I, I knew where we were. I'm the man that edits this stuff. I know where we are. 175. <laughs> As you'll hear, it's me, Paul. I'm back. Apparently I got sacked last week, but I just kind of busted my way back into the office and took my, took my desk back. Oh man, we should get an office. That would be nice. It's a lot easier than recording this out in the streets like we do. Yeah, yeah I, I do wonders getting rid of the traffic noise. I really do. <laughs> and as you'll hear, I am joined by Kieran, as always. Hello. And our other cohort, Mike, seems to have disappeared. We can't seem to get a podcast with all three of us going at the minute. Mike's being cultured. Yeah. He's watching he's Shakespeare. In the cinema. Well, yeah, to be fair, yes, in the cinema. It still counts. It, yeah, it kind of leeways the culture a little bit when it's in it's, the cinema. It's a live stream of a play. It, yeah, it's a live stream that Cineworld are doing, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Now let Michael Bay add the special effects so we can get some explosions and lens flare in there. Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, no. Don't ruin it. Okay, let's talk about video games since this is a gaming podcast after all. Is it? That it's not. It's just three idiots talking nonsense at this stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, we have a very short list of video games to talk about this week. Which you guys did a very short list last week, so it's been busy. Real life has been Yes, definitely has. I, I I was out last week with some uni hand-ins and I have more of those coming up. Um, and that seems to get in the way of playing those video games, those pesky real life things. But anyway, we have some talk on Persona 5. Karen, you picked that up this week. We also have some talk on Snake Pass. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it because I've been seeing a lot online about it. Mm-hmm. I've played some For Honor, finally, because I really wanted that game when it first came out and didn't get it. And I picked up one of our favourite board games on iPhone, because it was going cheap on a sale. And that is Splendor iOS. So let's kick things off with you telling us about Persona 5, because I am hyped to go get that when I have some free time. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely need free time for it. It seems like a pretty massive game so far it's a persona game yeah i mean what yeah what did you expect it's the big jrpg it is yes. the biggest jrpg probably right now like i mean i guess you could argue like final fantasy and stuff like that but in terms of like traditional kind of turn-based stuff like persona is the biggest thing around at the moment yes uh which is kind of impressive for something that doesn't release games very often you know, Persona 4 was a PS2 game. Like, yep, they skipped yep. a generation, pretty much. They had Catherine, but Catherine wasn't really the same thing. No, no, it was not. Um, Persona 5 has some... It, it brings in some of the lessons they learned from Catherine, but it is very much a, you know, turn-based action JRPG where you're spending a bunch of your spare time building up relationships with characters and building up those relationships lets you create better monsters in the dungeons which lets you fight more enemies and you know it's that thing that they did in 3 and 4 where they've 
not changed all the systems that much, but it, they're doing it so well at this point. You know, they're consistently just bringing out this high quality of game that no one else can, so it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the setup for Persona 5 is a lot darker than the the previous games. So each Persona game has pretty much started with you moving from your you know, usually village or something like that, your little yeah. home town to uh, the city to the city or a slightly bigger town in Persona 4 it wasn't really city it was just in fact th- yeah. I guess, I guess it wasn't really city in any of them in 3 it was a boarding school um, which was kind of in a city I guess uh, but yeah the Persona 5 you move you move for reasons like 3 and 4 it just kind of happened like 3 it's like oh you went to a new school and 4 is like oh you transferred and now you're in this weird little town 5 it's like Oh, you saw a guy attack a woman on the street, and you, like, pulled him off of her, and he got injured in the, in the process, and then you got blamed for it, and you got expelled, and you have to go to this other school now, and everyone treats you like a fucking criminal, They're like you have a criminal record, and you're like, I, like, knocked a guy over. This is not, well, <laughs> you guys are treating me like I'm a fucking murderer, like. <laughs> Is messed you're up. A, you're a dirty, despicable criminal. Deal with it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like all the teachers and stuff like that are like, I don't want him in my class. Like, you know, he might be carrying like a knife or something like that. And you're like, whoa, I literally like pulled a guy off of a girl. That was it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but everyone treats you like the worst person ever. It's a really weird thing. Uh, but it's it's a good setup. It is a lot darker than the previous games and. Yeah, yeah. It very quickly kind of throws you into, you know, getting your persona and traveling into. Each of these games has almost had some kind of other world. In three, it was a, a tower, and four, you went inside TVs. This one, these uh, palaces appear in places that yeah, are yeah. similar to the, the last couple of games. They're connected to the hearts of people in the real world, and you're going into kind of deal with shadow versions of people yeah it's pretty awesome so far um the main thing that kind of stands out about it is just how nice it looks not necessarily like the actual kind of main graphics like the 3d models for characters stuff like that look all right but they're not super impressive but all of the menus and the ui and the hud and stuff like that is all just insanely flamboyant and overly animated and it's really nice looking. Like, I can't think of another game at all that has done anything similar to this before. Yeah, yeah. So it has really cool stuff like when you go to, there's a, a shop you can go to and this woman sells you stuff and she's sitting on like a swivel chair and you talk to her to go into the shop interface and the animation for it is her 3D model starts spinning and then like a 2D version of her kind of appears as she spins and kind of swipes onto the screen and then all this menu stuff kind of swipes up from the sides and stuff like that and it's this big overlay animated thing that's really cool looking and it's like a couple of seconds and it's just so smart, so fluid, so fast Uh, I think people would see a lot more of it if for example Atlas hadn't chosen to block all of the streaming and photo sharing stuff 
yeah. from the game, which is insane. Yeah. Especially because they released a press statement afterwards saying, hey, don't just don't put videos of this on YouTube because we'll take them down and abuse their copyright system to take them down. It's like, you, you can't just say that. What are you doing? What are you doing? You, you douche nozzles. Yeah, basically. But, yeah, it's an awesome game. I'm not super far in it so far. I'm still just in the first dungeon. But I've got to the point where it's started opening up properly, so I could spend time not just, you know, following the story. I could go and talk to people and do side stuff, but instead yeah. I went straight back into the dungeon because I'm crazy like that. But yeah, Persona 5. Awesome so far. I bought the big collector's edition, the Take Your Heart edition. Yep. Which um, comes in a big box and has a steelbook case. Okay. And a teddy. And a bag. Fair enough. Also, there's like an art book and stuff like that. The bag's weird because it's just like a big duffel bag and it's just like, this is like the school bags they use in the game. And it's like, uh, alright. I mean, it's kind of just a bag, but... <laughs> yeah, cool. Alright, I guess. I don't know if I'll ever use this. I don't really use duffel bags very much, but I don't know, maybe if I'm going to smuggle some drugs or something like that. It's... That's what you use duffel bags for, right? I've only re- I don't oh, even yeah. know about duffel bags from Grand Theft Auto. It's the only use I've ever seen them. I mean, some people actually use duffel bags for, you know, travelling. Nah, travelling with drugs, yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, yeah, okay, travelling with drugs, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. It's awesome. <laughs> it's a really good game. That's good, that's it's, good. Uh, good. Do we still have it. the Do we still have the Velvet Room? Yes, there's Velvet Room. The Velvet Room is weird in this one. It's uh, They change it in each of them. Again, in 3 it was a... Uh, Three, it was a, an elevator. Yeah. And four, it was a limousine. And five, it's a prison. Yes. Because a lot of the themes of the whole game are all about kind of, you know, imprisonment and, you know, choosing your own. No, four, the velvet room's a car. Yeah, it was, I thought it was a limo. Yeah. Yeah, it's the back of a limo. That's what I said. I said five, it's a prison. Oh, it's prison. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Five is prison. Uh, so weird. You, every weird. time you, every time you go into it, you're like chained up, and you're just talking to Igor, and you're like, "Yo, man, can you fuse some of my persona? Like, I can't really do it myself. I'm kind of chained up here." And he's like, "I'll do that for you." And he keeps talking about yeah. your rehabilitation. So you're, you're making good change, <laughs> good moves towards your rehabilitation. And he's like, "What does that mean?" What? What? Why, why am I being rehabilitated? What, yeah, what am I being rehabilitated from? You just was I on, rehabilitation. Was I on drugs? I was on the drugs. Kieran, you're always on the drugs. I'm definitely on the drugs. For sure. 100% you are always on a drug. <laughs> I was on the drug. That, that drug, drug being... is happiness. Exactly. I was going to say that drug being video games, but... <laughs> That drug is life. I think there's a pretty safe bet that everyone should just probably play Persona 5. Cool, uh, I cool. Think I, everyone I, I mean, already knew that. you know me, I'm not going to argue with that. You should play Persona 5. Cool. I'm gonna they, play, should I'm a, gonna... they should make a portable version of it. 
That would be great. I'm going to I'm going to play Persona 5. Good. But you haven't been playing Persona 5, Paul. You've been playing For Honor. I have been playing For Honor. Uh so yeah, finally got my hands on this um as most people who listen to the podcast know, I tend not to buy games. If I buy games, it's because I tend to spend a lot of time with them. So I've been waiting on Foreigner coming in from the rental company I use, and I'm, I've not played any online. I've not played any PvP. Oh, it's like the best bit. Yeah, but you know my internet's terrible. Oh, that is true, actually. Yeah, that's like basically a fighting game, so playing it with lag would probably not be the best way to play that. So I've only been playing campaign, story mode, whatever it is. There's like the three story arcs for the three factions. Yeah. Uh, so finish the night night arc. Uh, that's pretty cool. I really did enjoy it. There's some actually really well written story in there about this knight that joins up with the band of knights that's in the story, uh, and then he starts questioning what they're doing and questioning why they're murdering all these people. And he thought he was joining up to fight against you know invading Vikings, but it turns out that you're just marching into their lands to slaughter them. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, because the woman who's the head of the knights is absolutely crazy. Yeah. So he starts. Really he starts like, and this is within the first couple of missions. You find <laughs> this. So I'm not ruining anything. How, how long is the the campaign for you? Again? Um. So each faction, from what I've seen, has eight missions. Depending on how good you are and how difficult you want to play those missions. Okay. I averaged about maybe half an hour a mission. That's not too bad. That's pretty long, actually. That's probably a bit longer than I expected. Um, but yeah, roughly. I mean, and I was playing on. I was just playing on normal, and I averaged about half an hour a mission. Yeah. Um, some of the later ones, I averaged a bit more because I actually died a couple of times when the enemies started getting like higher yeah, levels. Yeah, getting tougher. Yeah. Um, you die quite a lot in For Honor. <laughs> yeah, that was my experience with the multiplayer. <laughs> you die yeah, a lot. You, you die quite a lot in For Honor. I'm I'm just gonna fling that out there. Don't think it's a controversial I, statement. No, I don't think it's a controversial statement at all. Um, so you know, from from what I've played, it's very enjoyable. I am in the midst of doing the Viking playthrough at the moment. I really do not like the Viking playthrough at all. Um, I don't like the character I've been for the first couple of missions. She wields one of the big poles with the pointy bit on the end of it. Spear, I believe we call those. Yes, big pole with pointy (laughs) bits. No, no, in, in the Viking terms, it's big pole with pointy bit. I want to believe that. I want to believe that. <laughs> they say that every single time they're referring to their weapon. Can I get that big pole with a point a bit, please? <laughs> but um, so I'm not really a fan of that, and I'm finding it quite hard because I can't get used to the combat style with the spear. That's fair. I really also didn't like the the battle axe and the knights. It took yeah. me a long time to get through the levels. Two levels where I had to play with as the guy with the battle axe and the knight faction. Yeah. So I take it the campaign does take you through kind of all different classes and. Oh well, yeah, you so in the the night faction, which is the only one I've finished so far, you start off as this guy with a broadsword, 
it's fine, you get used to it, blah, blah, blah. And then as you get to the later levels, he gets waylaid and you end up playing as someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you play as another knight who wields a battle axe, double-handed battle axe. He plays him for two missions. And then you play one mission as like the... I can't remember what they call it, but it's the rogue class, so you're wielding dual kind of short, short swords. Okay. Um, she's really fun to play as. So it's super, not super fun. all of them then, because the knights also have the conqueror, which is the dude that has a flail. Yeah, you don't get to play as the flail That's at all. That's a shame. The flail is... When I played the beta of that game, the flail was by far my favourite weapon, because you can charge it and as you're charging it your guy just stands there just swinging it by his side and you can Uh still walk but you walk slower but it's that kind of thing where you're doing a one-on-one fight with someone you know it's all about the mind games so you're just walking up casually swinging this flail beside you spinning the flail around spinning the flail and your opponent knows that they have like one chance to hit you but if you dodge that or block it then you have a yep. charged flail hit ready to hit in reverse, and they're fucked. Yep. It's great. Yeah. It's so intimidating. That sounds really good, man. It's really good. I'm surprised they don't let you play him, play as him in the campaign. You don't. You play as broadsword guy, um, battle axe guy, rogue girl, and yeah, that's it. That's it. She plays three classes. It's I've only played as one. Yeah, I've played as only like the one class, the spear wielding class in the Vikings so far. I think once I get to like the the short axe and stuff within that, I'll be a bit better. I prefer not. So what I'm seeing is a trend of me not liking the longer weapons. That's fair. That's what I'm seeing. So I'm finding it quite hard to get through the the Viking campaign at the moment. The game looks really nice though. Yeah, I noticed that even when just playing the beta, like it's a very the, nice looking game. Very nice looking game, uh, very tactile, slow moving. So I I know it's a lot like chivalry, but I never got into chivalry. I think I'm not... it's a lot better than chivalry. I don't think it's controversial to say that, but like it's a lot more polished. It's got a lot more strategy and kind of the the controls are a lot tighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah. I mean, it's fun. I want to play as a Samurais. I'm looking forward to that. I haven't... So, as, as the night campaign, you only encounter the Vikings and other knights. And as the Vikings so far, I've only encountered other Vikings. So, I've yet to encounter the Samurai camp- or samurai at any point. So, I don't know what their weapons are like. I don't know any about any of them. Um, so, I'm looking forward to... You know, picking them up, shall we say, and seeing how that goes. But no, I've, I've been thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, I want to play online, I really do, but my internet just isn't good enough. Hmm. But if you, if you do like the kind of chivalry game or one-on-one kind of brawler with weapons, definitely check it out. I mean, it's going for a lot cheaper now than it did when it first came out I think I don't think it's maintained price or at least it's down to about 30 quid now yeah if you're buying a disc copy 
I'll probably uh, end up buying it at some point because I, I did enjoy that beta and if the campaign is actually quite good then I happily kind of get into the, that. The campaign's good and from what I'm saying is you've got three factions each with eight missions and those missions take about half an hour each. So you're talking about four hours per campaign. About 12 hours. I would say. Yeah, that's, I think that's... That's a, that's a reasonable amount of single player campaign for a game that was never really meant to have a single player campaign yeah uh, I mean they, they announced it with a single player campaign like they announced it was one of the first yeah. things they showed was the campaign and the, the story they picked but up I mean, the story a, a, a large portion of that game was meant to be the the multiplayer yeah it yeah. definitely seems like the focus because it is basically a fighting game yes yeah it definitely is um, so I, I, I'm really impressed with the single player. I didn't expect much from it. Yeah, I think and I I've feel got, like I've been hearing that a lot about this game as well. It's not, and I've got a lot more from it than I expected. Yeah, that's fair. Do you think, do you think you're gonna play much more of it, or do you think you're gonna? I'm probably gonna leave the Vikings where they are because I can't get past the first couple of missions because I just really don't like the weapon style. That's fair. And I'm gonna jump over on it the Samurai campaign and see how that goes. And I'll report back next week. Fair enough. Um, I also you played something else. <laughs> probably, probably, because I got and I've yet to to open it. I have Digimon World Next Order to play. Oh, I've heard good things about that. Yeah, I really want to put that in, so I might do that over the weekend. And I'm still still plugging away with Horizon Zero Dawn. As I said, I've just not had a lot of time to play games, and I was like, okay, I've got two new things, and I want to play those. And then Four Order kind of caught my attention, and I didn't play Digimon yet. So I will be back next week with telling you about Digimon New World Order and more For Honor, maybe? Maybe. Maybe? Maybe. Uh, so, Kieran, tell me about Snake Pass. Am I right in thinking that this is a, a Switch game? It is a Switch game. It's also on PS4 and Xbox One. And everything. I All just right. got it on the Switch. Um, and the Switch version is very good. Uh, there's a good Digital Foundry video where they compare all the versions of it. And it's impressive what they managed to get working on the Switch and how close it looks to the PS4 version and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's really nice looking game. It's... Uh, I guess it's kind of a platformer, but you're not really... You're not, like, jumping about and stuff like that. You're a snake, and your controls are very snake-like. Very so, slithery. Yeah, very slithery. Literally, you have to slither to move around. So, you have, uh, like, holding the the right trigger will make you move forward. Yeah. Be- well, it basically moves your head forward. And yeah. you drag your, the rest of the snake along, basically. And you go slowly if you do that. But if you wiggle the analog stick, basically, and kind of start, you know, snaking along, start, you know, slithering along side to side, then you'll build up speed and you can move around faster. If you hold A, you lift your head up, and so you can lift your head up and then move it around things, and the rest of the snake kind of coils around it. Then you hold the left trigger to tighten in to kind of grab onto it. And then from there, you can then, you know, move your head up more and slither around other things and tighten and basically do that to climb up things. And that's where it becomes right. a bit of a platformer. And it's all just about collecting stuff. There's these 
very you know, so far relatively simple like I've only played the first like four or five levels uh, relatively simple levels that are very self-contained very uh, they feel like these just environments that are just for finding things in so you can collect these little bubbles that uh, are kind of the most common collectible you don't need them but there's a bunch of them in the level and you find them everywhere yeah. there's three gate keys that you yes. need to get in each level that's the only ones you actually need to get to finish the level and then okay. there's five coins okay. in every level and those are the ones that are more of a challenge to get so for example on the way into work this morning when I was playing this on the tram I sat and tried to get one coin multiple fucking times and died over and over trying to do it <laughs> because it was underneath a single kind of beam that was hanging off the side of a cliff sounds about right sounds about right so I was sitting kind of like slithering along and then trying to very quickly kind of dip my head off and then swing back up and round so that I could you know, coil round the beam and then just kind of slither out to the end of it and pick up the coin but what actually yep. mostly happened was I would fuck that up, try to swing round and then just swing off and die, <laughs> which you know, it's a risk uh, yeah, yeah Collecting those coins seems like it's going to be a real challenge, and I'm enjoying it quite a lot. I'm enjoying this game a lot more than I thought I would in general. Yeah. I mean, like, the description for it describes it as a collectathon, which it seems insane to me that people have started using collectathon as a positive term. Because. Collectathon. Collectathon is 100% definitely an insult people made to make fun of games that copied, like, Banjo Kazooie and stuff, right? Yeah. And Banjo Tooie. Yeah. Like, games that instead of having interesting fun levels and platforming stuff like that had hey what if you had a shitload of things to collect and you're like that's not fun <laughs> that no. doesn't sound great no yeah that like that was an insult i don't think i'm <laughs> crazy for thinking that am i no no definitely not uh but it's apparently become a thing that now everyone you know, uses because also that ukulele game has been using it as a positive term in their Kickstarter and stuff like that, which is insane. It's insane, Paul. Positive. So I, didn't, I didn't really expect to like it, <laughs> but I, I'm just gonna shout positive at you now because it's positive. a positive thing. Positive. Uh, I didn't really expect to like it, but I've ended up putting a bunch of time into so far. I think part of it is actually just because I really like the art and. The main character, Noodle the Snake. Yeah, Noodle the Snake sounds great. He's fucking adorable. He's got his big old face. He's all cartoony. They stole the one thing from Little Big Planet that I wish every game would steal, which is hitting the D-pad buttons will change the face of your or change the emotions on the face of the main character. So, yeah. like hitting up a couple of times will make him super fucking excited. Or hitting right a couple of times would make him super sad. And it's great. It's just, you can fucking run around with him. They even, like, copy it from Little Big Planet to the point where the excited face, like, has, like, three tears. And the third tier is literally just him, like, running around with his tongue out, just, you know, fucking super psyched about everything. Yeah. It's great. It's got so much charm. It's so adorable. 
It does sound good. Yeah, I, I didn't think I was going to come in here and recommend it. I kind of just picked it up on a whim because I wanted something else to play on my Switch because I finished yeah. Zelda, which also I ended up putting our like 10 hours into Zelda over the past week. I don't fucking know. But I finished Zelda. I finished um, Zelda and then kept playing. There's a lot of stuff in Zelda. Like I finished the story <laughs> of Zelda, but the story in Zelda is not a big part of Zelda. I mean, at that point, that tends to be where I kind of put it down. Like if I finished the story. I'm usually like that with games. Like, when I play open world games, like, almost all the time I'm like, I want to do all this side stuff, but I'll just finish the story first. Then I'll finish the story, and then I'm like, I don't want to fucking do this side stuff. I've finished. And Zelda is different for whatever reason, so. Yeah. The yeah. Zelda game's real good. Um, oh, what else? What else can I say about Snake Pass? It's got real good music. It's got lots of blades of grass. Yeah. That's pretty good. Like lots, the end, of, lots of blades of grass. Lots of blades of grass. Like, more grass than most games. Somehow the Switch version has more grass than the PS4 version, according to that Digital Foundry video, which is weird. But, yeah, whatever. It's, Snake Pass is neat. I yeah. Think I, can, I think I recommend it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. So the only other thing we've got in here is that you've been playing Splendor for iOS. Ah, uh, I have. Yeah, I've been playing possibly one of our favorite board games ever. Yeah. But not, but not as a board game. I fucking love Splendor, and I fucking love that digital version of Splendor, and I just love all yes. Splendor. Digital version's so good, so so good. I didn't realize it was so good when I bought it a while ago. I managed to pick it up for one ninety nine, which I thought was a really good deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how much you paid for the digital version, but I thought one ninety nine was a very good deal, and it genuinely is just splendor. The table's laid out in front of you. You can pick how many opponents you've got, and it's splendor. It's even got the poker chip sounds for the the gems. Yeah, it's, it's not the, the real thing, chips. but you know it, they it's... they copy it. It's got the poker chip sounds. All of the cards look beautiful, as they do in real life. I and it's play just... Splendor. I don't know if I've played yeah. Splendor in a while. It's just it's yeah. I mean, if you it's Splendor, it's Splendor on your phone or your iPad or yeah. I mean, what more can I say than it is Splendor? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we have to describe what Splendor is at this point because. No, we've done it far too many times. I'm yeah. not. I'm not doing what Splend. I'm not describing what Splendor is. Just not doing it. We've if you don't already know what Splendor is, why are you still listening to this podcast? Yeah, jump back. Like, pick a random podcast over the last couple of years, and you'll probably hear us talk about Splendor. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, I've been playing that, and it's been it's been pretty good. And I, I think don't know if they ever added multiplayer to that. They almost said they, they were. Did. did they? They did. Yes. Oh, I wonder if it's cross-platform. We should play Splendor. Uh, it probably is cross-platform because you need to log into an account, uh, an online account. That's a good sign. Me, you, and Mike should get some Splendor going. Um. Yeah, we can talk about that after this. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's do it now. Fuck it. Fuck the podcast. Let's split. Yeah, it's got, it's got online multiplayer. It's our podcast let's play of Splendor. Um. Well, online online games new, but you need to log in or sign up for an account. That's cool. Um, 
I don't know what your options are for logging, and I don't know if there's like a Facebook login or whatever if you need to sign up for one of their yeah, accounts. Yeah, maybe their own kind of account. Um, it is. It's their own account. That's right. So, yeah, we'll look at it later. I think it'll be cool. Yeah. Else yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I've played Spider iOS. I've not played it online, but uh, if you've already got an online Days of Wonder account, then it's the same account. Yeah, I wonder what else is that. There must be some stuff. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's all of the video games I've been playing. Yeah, me too. Not, it's not been oh, a busy week. We, we really haven't played many video games. Well, I mean, I've been playing like a bunch of other little things that we've mentioned enough times in here that don't really be talked about too much. Like, I played a couple more games of Disc Jam. Disc Jam is still fantastic. Yeah, you do love that Disc Jam. It's really good. Um, I played a couple more rounds of Titanfall 2, the new DLC for that just came out. Yep. And that's that's really good. That's a good map. I think it's a map from the first Titanfall. I didn't really play much of the first Titanfall, so I don't know. But I see where people saying that it's from the first one. You know, things like that. I played Doom. I played a little bit more of Mass Effect Andromeda. Don't play Mass Effect Andromeda is kind of my takeaway from that. That's, I don't think I really need to add much more. To I'm, it. I'm not going to go and buy it. I'm just not going to do it, man. Yeah. I think, at this point, I've heard so many bad things, despite how much I love Mass Effect. You know, it's actually probably a bit harsh to say don't play Mass Effect, but what I'd actually say is don't play Mass Effect until after that patch comes out that they announced. Okay, okay. Because that seems like it fixes some of my main complaints. Like, one of the things it fixes, which is insane that they shipped the game this way, is they have a galaxy map, right? And yes. there's a bunch of planets in the galaxy map, and you can go to all these planets and scan them, like in a Mass Effect game. Alright, okay. When you select a planet, your ship flies there. And the way it does this is it has this big cinematic thing where you're you know, it stays in the you know, the the main area of the ship and you're kind of just looking out the window basically as it kind of animates out and you yeah. know, zooms away from the planet to another planet and it's like a 20 to 30 second long animation and Fair it's enough. unskippable and it happens every time every time you go between planets even if you're just going to a planet to scan and scanning planets gives you one thing per planet so there's a lot of planets and you're scanning a ton of them and it takes like 30 seconds to get between each of them and so that's the point where I was like I'm just not going to do this because that's terrible and it's one of the first things they're patching is to reduce that which is good that yeah that's that's good okay I'm going to play it but I'm going to let them patch the hell out of it first yeah that seems like the thing to do because it's got there, there are elements of that game that are good. It's not, like, irredeemable. It's got some interesting characters. The world they set up seems cool. But it's also not great. It's also not great at all. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, fair enough. Yeah. That's basically all I've got. Fair enough. Cool. Do you want to talk about some news? Yeah, let's talk about some news. 
I didn't put a lot in our news. You didn't thing. put a lot in, and you've not put the biggest thing that you probably don't care about is that uh, Microsoft let Digital Foundry Eurogamer in on what is Project Scorpio. Oh yeah, which yeah. is everywhere. Like, like literally looking online for news, <laughs> all you're getting is Project Scorpio specs. It's because it's just specs. Like we don't usually talk a lot about specs on this podcast. No, we don't, but I, I kind of want to fling it out there because it's just, it seems to be everywhere at the moment, yeah. and it does seem to sound like it's it's coming in at like a, it does sound like it's going to be mammoth in comparison, so. It seems like it's going to be but, a bit more powerful than the PS4 Pro. Yeah. But not and, that much. Not as much as I kind and, of expected. I thought they were going to fucking demolish the PS4 Pro with this thing, but. And quite more powerful than the Xbox One. Yeah, well, to be fair, the Xbox One is... Well, I was going to say it's the weakest system, but the Switch came out, so... It's yeah, the, it's the yeah. second weakest Switch, uh, system. N- Nintendo, once again, owned that title. Yeah, but also, Nintendo made their system portable, so... Yeah, Nintendo... It was never going to be Scorpio-powered. I mean, here we go. Newsflash. Paul wants a Switch. Paul wants to buy a Nintendo <laughs> home console. No, N- Paul wants to buy a Nintendo handheld, which is definitely much more reasonable for Paul. Yeah, no, I usually buy Nintendo handhelds. But they made the handheld the home console, so it kind of messes with me. There's not even a Pokemon out yet. What's wrong with you, Paul? No. I want to play a Zelda game. What is wrong with me? Um, But actually, the stuff that's more interesting about the Scorpio is not actually the specs to me. Because like I said, the specs aren't that much better than the PS4 Pro. They are better. Don't get me wrong, there's a there's like a good few extra gigs of RAM and stuff like that in there. It's going to be a a beast of a machine. But the bit that it majorly kind of outperforms the PS4 Pro is what they're announcing for their software stuff. So, yeah. for example, uh, for their standards, across the board, games will get frame rate, update, uh, frame rate upgrades and... Uh, like resolution upgrades if they use dynamic scaling, so this is kind of just what the PS4 Pro's uh, beast mode. Oh, no, it's not actually called beast mode, but everyone keeps calling it boost mode. Um, yeah, has you know, introduced in the last patch that same kind of thing where if a game runs on unlocked frame rate or has frame rate issues, then the extra power from the system will just naturally help that. Yeah. If yeah. it runs at dynamic resolution, which basically means it renders at a lower resolution when the frame rate would usually drop, so that you have a solid frame rate, but the game doesn't look quite as good while there's a lot of stuff going on, on screen. Yeah, those resolution drops will happen less often because there's more power to play with, which is good. But yep. then, the bits that Sony hasn't done. And they probably could, but Microsoft's going to probably pull them off better because they're generally better with this kind of operating system level software. Is it has super sampling kind of enforced as a thing. So right now, if you buy a PS4 Pro and you buy a game that has PS4 Pro support, they can have 4K resolution support in there, but they might also have 1080p resolution support in there. And the 1080p resolution is not necessarily the same stuff as the 4K one. It's usually, hey, we bumped up some extra stuff, but it runs because it runs at 1080p instead of 4K. The thing that Microsoft are going to enforce 
is that instead of that, the 1080p mode will be the 4K mode but rendered down into 1080p, which is called super sampling. It's been a really common thing yep. on PC yep. for a while, and it gives you a really sharp time. image. It makes it look real nice. Yep. So it's really cool that they're just enforcing that and just be like, look, you guys are making this work in 4K anyway. If someone doesn't have a 4K TV, just render it down, and they'll get an advantage from that anyway because it'll look fucking great. So that could be awesome. Uh, they also announced they're, they're building a bunch of like DirectX 12 compatibility stuff into the CPU of this new thing so it should when running like DirectX 12 unique features which yeah. I'll be honest I'm not actually 100% sure what most of those are at the moment um, yep. but whatever those are like when they're running DirectX 12 kind of set, uh, code sets that's gonna run a lot better than it would in a lot of other things because it's not going to take that much off of the CPU because a lot of that stuff is kind of running on specially built stuff which is yeah. good it's, it's going to be the software definitely seems what it's going to be more interesting to me at least for what Scorpio is because again the specs are you know a decent bump above PS4 Pro but they're not mind blowing no no, the PC build that you're looking into doing will still outperform this. Oh, and yeah, I mean... It also costs twice... Well, I, they didn't have a price, but it's probably going to cost, like, twice as much, so... Um, yeah, yeah, I mean... Yeah. I... Actually, that PC build you sent me now is actually probably only going to be, like, £200 more expensive than the... Yeah, I know, and I could use it as a workstation for work. It's a really good build, actually. I might just steal this. Anyway... <laughs> people, for people who don't know which is everyone because we don't record our pre-talk for this podcast although we should probably just start doing that at this point because yeah it's more interesting than so, what we actually we talk. about so much stuff that's just by the way this is stuff that'd be on the podcast yeah um yeah uh, I'm paul is building a new pc or looking into his dream pc i'm actually I'd... building a new pc probably you're actually building a new PC. I'm looking into building what um, what I might eventually build by the end of the year, which is a Ryzen 5 1600X yeah. build. Although by the end of the year, the new Vega cards will be out, so your card will be not that one, probably, because there'll be a no, new mid-range no, card. Definitely, probably. yeah. If I don't build this pre-Vega, then it'll be a Vega card. Yeah. And this really is mental for me because... I've always thought of myself as an Intel and NVIDIA kind of person, but AMD are just blowing me away right now. I think everyone is like that just now. Like Intel have been kind of stagnant and dominating for years. Like AMD CPUs have been kind of garbage for a long time now, especially for gaming. And yeah. AMD yeah. cards have been also just been getting obliterated by NVIDIA for years. Years upon years upon years. And last year felt like the time where AMD were like, no way, actually, guys, we got this. And they released their, like, their RX cards. And they're fucking great. And they are cheaper than NVIDIA cards and outperform them. And the software's actually good now. Great. Like, it's good yeah. on them. Competition is good for everyone. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Well, like, except NVIDIA, I guess, maybe. They're like, we, <laughs> yeah, we, we well. were selling all these cards. Guys, <laughs> they were like, oh, what, 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 why is our graphics cards dying out? Oh, um, NVIDIA okay. sitting there like, yeah, but our cards on the Switch and the Switch is selling really well, so that's good. 
Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, Swings and roundabouts. It's an AM. It's AMD cards that are in everything in else. Yes. <laughs> yes, for an Xbox. So always has been. Yeah, but other than tech stuff, uh, the Scorpio looks awesome. But it does. I don't think I'm going to get one. No, I don't think I'm going to get one either. I didn't get a PS4 Pro. I'm still kind of on the fence about that. I might go back and I'm probably going to get this, one. This from a man who was very much into buying a PS4 Pro. Oh yeah, when they announced PS4 Pro, I was like, I'm buying this. I'm putting money aside. I was the same with the PSVR as well, to be fair. Uh, the main reason I didn't get the PS4 Pro was because the Switch got properly announced. And I was like, oh man, I shouldn't buy both of these. I'll just buy one of these. I'll buy the Switch because... I don't regret it. I, I use my Switch every day. I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, I'm... So here's the thing. I'm probably... Probably going to end up with... A Switch. Because... As much as I complained and went, I don't travel. Like, I don't travel. I don't commute. It'd be really nice for taking... So I go and visit my fiancé who lives in the States. I'm away for three weeks at a time. Be really nice to take it with me. I could still play games. Mm-hmm. I could play games on the plane. There's USB slots to charge things. Okay, I was on... going to say, how long is your plane ride? Because no, no, there's the, the I always fly with a specific airline now. I've got my favorite one. I stick to them. They're a little bit more expensive, but it's worth it for what you get. They have in seat USB slots or two for every chair. Oh, that's awesome. So it's just they're just power. Pure power. That's awesome. Um, if you get the and one have, thing is you'll have to look at is um the USB C cables, like USB to USB C cables are yep. some of them are not good. Like they're actually first time in a long time that you'll have to actually look into the quality of your USB cable before you buy yeah. it, which is yeah. mental. But, you know, it's it's worth it. Yeah, definitely. Um So yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about buying a Switch. I'm probably going to go buy a Scorpio because I'll probably buy a Scorpio off of Mike. When Mike buys the Scorpio and then Mike buys his Scorpio Slim in a couple of years, I'll buy his Scorpio off him. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Actually, no, you got the Xbox One. I'll get the Scorpio. (laughs) Oh, yes, that's fair. (laughs) That's how it works. But, uh, yeah, anyway, a little bit of interesting news or maybe not so interesting news but at least quirky news um and kind of maybe controversial gearbox are partnering with the controversial reseller key reseller g2a to sell bulletstorm full clip edition uh full clip editions this is bulletstorm remastered's um they're selling a bundle it's weird through through exclusively through G2A. It's weird. So yeah, in this exclusive bundle, you end up with a T-shirt and some dog tags, a mouse bat, a signed certificate of authenticity, a custom bullet-ridden sleeve for your game. It's weird. Three D. Yeah, but why are they doing it through G2A? Yeah, G2A are the people I go to to buy dodgy possibly stolen keys that's yeah what I expect exactly for cheap no or... no they're, they're selling this legit g2a exclusive premium collector's edition are we sure this is actually like partnering with gearbox and they then just steal some of them from gearbox 
No, no, this is genuinely partnering with Gearbox. This came out earlier today, and I seen it, and I went, "What the ever loving hell?" It's bizarre. But I, I mean, whatever. I guess Gearbox is not. <laughs> They're not your your standard stereotypical game developer at this stage in life. They're also not really your most popular game developer at the moment. So I guess any nah. kind of PR they can get, they probably take. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, people, people so... are, are already not happy with. Uh, I think they also probably know that a lot of people are going to end up buying this Bulletstorm game off of G2A, largely because it's insanely overpriced. Like for a yep. fucking remaster of Bulletstorm, a game that you can pick up for like two pounds, it's like a full price game, and it's like, what is wrong with you people? That's, I get why you would try and money grab like this, but that's not a. That's not a reasonable amount to expect people to pay for fucking Bulletstorm. Like, I like Bulletstorm, but I come liked on. Bulletstorm. So yeah, they, they fell under, like, so this edition's gonna cost 99 euros, basically 100 euros. Mental. Um, and there's been a lot of controversy surrounding the G2A thing. Apparently, updated as of, like, 20 minutes ago, this is a continuing running story, uh, Total Biscuit, had been uh, outspoken about this as you know he is about many things that he thinks aren't right within the PC gaming industry uh, and apparently Gearbox have heard loud and clear the concerns voiced by him blah 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 they said they wouldn't be working with G2A if G2A hadn't laid out their plans to Gearbox to legitimise themselves as a website that sounds I still think that just sounds like hey, Gear GTA are going or Gearbox are going. Look, we know this game. People think this game's overpriced, so they're going to try and buy it from GTA anyway, because GTA is known for selling slightly dodgy keys for slightly cheaper. Yeah. So people are going to try to save some money and buy the GTA. So what if we partner with GTA first? They won't sell dodgy versions of our keys, and they'll have this collector's edition they can sell when people come looking for those keys. It's yeah. pretty smart, but it's really shady. Um, it's super freaking shady. Who is going to spend 100 euros, like 80 quid, like $120 on G2A? Who's going to spend fucking 100 quid on Gearbox games? Ooh, well, that's, that's a bit nasty, but yeah, who's going to do that? Let's I mean, be come on, this is, these are the guys that brought you Duke Nukem Forever and Aliens Colonial Marines. <laughs> Very true. Uh, medley also Borderlands but also yeah, Borderlands but... the pre-sequel come on yeah yeah. that game is fucking terrible very very true and while we're at it Borderlands in association with Telltale that was quite good I guess that was, was alright I mean I'm sorry I, I never finished it but that was meant to anyway next thing on the news did you play We Happy Few I didn't at all ne- neither did I Mike did I think but... But apparently it's getting a feature film. That seems weird. Is that that game's not even out? Is it? Uh, so I don't know. It's early it's access. No, it's early access right now, but it's getting a feature film. The film is being produced by Gold Circle Films and DJ Two Entertainment. So that's the company behind the Life is Strange TV series. Oh and yeah, they that as well. Which... The movie adaptions of Sleeping Dogs and Sonic. None of these things have came out. 
No. This is just a bunch of... This is a studio <laughs> that are just buying up licenses for games things, announcing projects, then never doing anything. Yeah, so... <laughs> that's the thing. I wouldn't be opposed to... like <laughs> The main issue that I've heard from people about We Happy Few was that that first trailer was fantastic, and the intro to the game is that first trailer, and then everything after it is generic survival game bullshit. Yeah. And has none of the same charm or character or anything like that. It's just generic survival game bullshit. Which means that maybe a feature movie is actually the best way to experience that. But only if it actually gets made. <laughs> Very true. I just I thought that was insane because I knew the game was early access and I'm going, you make a movie out of it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Alright. And then the last one that'll get you hyped out of your mind and Mike hyped out of his mind but you can already play it on PS4, I'm sure. Civilization Revolution is get or has already gotten, in the last couple of days, backwards compatibility on Xbox One. Yes. Yeah, uh, it's not on PS th- uh, PS4 uh, on PlayStation now. You can play it. Ah, okay. Uh, so, if, yeah, if... no, it's just straight got backwards compatibility on Xbox One and you can go download it and buy it from the store. I should do that. I own that game. Don't I? I own that uh, game. I'm pretty, pretty sure you do. If you already own it, you can go get it. It's got backwards compatible on Xbox One. Like, yeah, we played that. I own that game. I should download that. Oh, <laughs> you do own that game. You do. We played that once. I have to update my Xbox One. Jesus Christ. See, okay, this, is why, this is why you don't do podcasts with me. I tell you things you don't want to hear. I don't want to hear anything that makes me use my Xbox One. Oh, that's that's me. I I like my Xbox One. It's just I don't. <laughs> I was playing Forza Horizon the other day, which is kind of the only thing I play on it. But you know, Forza Horizon is pretty good. Yeah, it is it is. And then the last one, which relates to yourself, Mike again. Sega is yeah. cracking down on people streaming the Japanese version of Puyo Puyo Tetris. Yeah, this kind of all lumps in with the same with Atlas stuff where. Mainly because Sega owns Atlas. And it's just fucking weird. It just comes as being out of date bullshit. Yeah. Nonsense. Like, come on. Do you really think people are going to spoil Puyo Puyo Tetris' story? <laughs> true. Do you, really think very that, true. do you really think that someone's going to look at a live stream of Puyo Puyo Tetris and go. I've seen all I need to see now. I don't need to buy Puyo Puyo Tetris. I've seen these people play Tetris. Yeah. I didn't know what Tetris was before, but now I know it's not for me. Like, you're not... There is no reason... No logical reason at all to do this. Even more so than uh, the Persona stuff, which the Persona stuff is fucked up for its own special reasons, because... Atlas straight up threatened to abuse YouTube's takedown service to, you know, yeah, which issue is strikes and ruin the hell up. Yeah, but this the Puyo stuff is like, why, why? What do you gain from this? I only know about Puyo Tetris because Giant Bomb live streamed a bunch of that game. And yeah, I bought and now, you, a copy and now of that. you love that game. Yeah, so. I bought a copy of that. I imported it in from Japan, and then I also am about to buy the Switch version when it comes out then this month. Yeah, exactly. Like, is streaming and YouTube coverage and stuff like that is 
is proven to sell games. It's ninety percent of the time. If I'm going to go and get a game, I'll go watch a preview of it. Yeah, exactly. Or like, let's play stuff works to sell games. Like, I understand why publishers are like, oh, so you know, someone's going to put up videos of every single bit of our game. Why would this is going to lose its sales because no one's going to play it? They're just going to watch it, but. That's not how it actually works in the real world. It has nah, never worked like that. In fact, Persona is a good example because Persona 4 and all of its spin-offs that they've done in the five, six years since Persona 4 came out have sold especially well because of sites like Giant Bomb doing an endurance run of them. Yeah. Like, that caused Persona 4 sales to spike... And so, you know, created a bunch of fans that love that game series now. Yeah, yeah. There are plenty of games like that for me that I would, you know, would never have picked up if I hadn't watched someone play it online and then was like, actually, that's a game I hadn't heard of. I would probably play that. Yes, yeah. And then also they did the endurance run of Shenmue and that game's still terrible, so. It yeah, doesn't work well, for everything. Very true. It doesn't true. work for everything. I wouldn't have bought Shenmue anyway, though. Don't listen to that bit, Sega. Like, that's not... They didn't stop me buying Shenmue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no one can live stream Shenmue 3 now. Nope, can't happen. <laughs> anyway, have you got anything to add to the news? Uh, there was a couple of things. Uh, the main big one was Destiny 2 got announced. Uh, this actually happened before the last podcast, but we didn't have it in the news there. Um, mainly because I don't think the full thing had been announced yet yeah uh, but they had a CG trailer that set up for the game as basically the last you know the whole thing of Destiny is you know the last human city on earth is kind of there defended by this giant ball in the sky and the setup for this new one is oh no the city's fucked you've lost everything uh, Nathan Fillion's there and Oh, being Deadpool. Like (laughs) they've put like two trailers for that game so far, and Nathan Fillion's character has been prominent in both of them. And he was in the Destiny one as well, to fair, and he was a bit wisecracking funny, but he has went straight up just full Deadpool in this one. Like fourth wall breaking and everything. It's kind of great. Like the Destiny trailer like I was not really looking forward to Destiny 2 at all. Yeah. I really like Destiny, but also the lack of a story and the kind of grindiness and stuff like that kind of just, it's not something that I would go back to. No. But the two trailers they've put out for Destiny 2 so far have been funny and have had a lot of charm and have had a lot of character and world building more so than anything they did for the first Destiny. So if that is the tone that they are going with for the game, if they, if the full game is actually going to have a story and characters and stuff this time I fucking am on board because it's Bungie so it's going to play good, like we already know that bit, they have to sell us on the gunplay because we know it's Bungie it's going to play like fucking Halo again yeah, which is good don't break, uh, don't fix what ain't broke, and also don't break what ain't fixed, I guess I don't know <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's it's gonna be cool, probably, maybe. Maybe. I don't know if I'm gonna bother. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know if I'm gonna bother, man. I just don't. 
Multiplayer though. Get some co-op in. Get some co-op in. True, true. Apparently I'm getting fiber optic. Yeah, sure. Some at some point in the next eight years. Believe it when I see it. Believe <laughs> it when I see it. Uh was there anything else? I feel like there was something else. I'm already forgetting what it was. Uh Near Automata sold really well. Yeah. Uh, and I also like to apologize to some of our listeners because me and Mike kept calling it near automata, which yep. is not how you pronounce that. It's automata. It's automata. Like automaton. Not yes. Automata like automatic. How about automata like onomatopoeia? Yes, or like that, or automata like oh, I left my tomato. Fuck. Oh, tomato. Okay. You just leave now. On you go. Um, Ready for the podcast. Go. That's go, all the news. Go. Will we go to new releases? We shall. We shall. Should you go? Are you willing to do it or shall I just. Uh, I'll since do I it. have them up? I've got them up as well, so I'll do it. Um, so this oh. is for the week ending the 14th of April? Yes, indeed it is. So Ukulele comes out on the 11th. Yes. But more importantly, Ryzen 5 CPUs come out on the 11th. If you have a choice between one, I think you know where to go. Oh, yeah, you buy the Ryzen 5 CPU. <laughs> so you can play Put it in your computer. Exactly. Um, <laughs> ukulele's been getting some kind of mixed reviews, but it looks kind of. It looks like a Banjo Kazooie game. Uh, Impact Winter Digital for. PC, PS4, Xbox One. Oh, sorry, ukulele is coming for PC, PS4, and Xbox One as well. The Switch versions next month, I think, yep. or a month after. Uh, I have no idea what Impact Winter is. Paul, Google what Impact Winter is while I read through this list. Yes, I shall. Uh, Star Blood Arena is coming for PlayStation VR, so only PS4, obviously, on April 12th as well. Yep. Uh, Stardew Valley Collector's Edition is coming on April 13th for PS4 and Xbox One. I assume that's just I might actually, version of Stardew Valley. I, I might actually buy that on... I have it on PC, but I might buy it on console. That's fair. Um, I'd my, still really like the game. My girlfriend's been using my old 3DS to play a lot of Animal Crossing since I got the Switch. I've been considering letting her use my Vita as well. I think letting her. Oh, she, she can use my... First, first things first, like Impact Winter is not releasing. It has been pushed back to May 23rd. Oh, okay, well, ignore that. This list is wrong. Uh, well, yeah, but anyway, like I was thinking of getting Stardew Valley on the Vita 4. Stardew Valley's really good. Uh, and that's it, actually, on this list, at least. I know there's a couple other things that are coming out other than this, um, because Jackbox Party Pack 3 comes out for the Switch next week. Yes, which which is another major factor of me buying a Switch. It's a uh, this could be a good place to play Jackbox Party Park, I guess. Probably, I mean, gathering a lot of people around that screen because that screen is relatively small. It's not going to be great, but Mario Kart Eight and Jackbox Party Pack yeah. are two of the reasons I want a Switch. Yeah, I recommend taking the dock with you if you're going to play Jackbox Party Pack with people. I will take the dock with me because I can fling it in the suitcase. The dock's really small. Is the other thing? Yeah, I can fling it in my suitcase. I'm planning to take it with me because I can fling it in the suitcase, and for the purposes that I'm going to be, I'm you know I'm only going to play it portably when I'm flying and in the airports, and then I can dock it in the TV in a room when I get to my fiance. Mm. So that's fair. 
Uh, I think there's another couple of digital games coming out next week, uh, but that's the main ones. So, let's find out what Impact Winter really is. Impact um, Winter, tell us your secrets. Yeah, what are you? I actually, it, their website does not explain what this game is. Is it wrestling and snowboarding? No, it's an adventure indie simulation. In 30 days, help Sim is coming. indie simulation? I must, yeah, it says, adve- those are the categories, it's an adventure indie simulation. Uh, a mysterious radio transmitter claims that help is inbound. You're Jacob Sullivan, leader of a makeshift team trying to survive the aftermath of a devastating asteroid collision, and I'm assuming you're somewhere in the Arctic North. Oh yeah, I'm looking at the Steam page, it's got a trailer for it. It looks, it looks pretty. It does actually look okay. Actually, it does actually look quite good. Must be published by Bandai Namco. Yeah, this actually, I was skeptical and was joking about this, but actually, that looks quite nice. I mean, I should play that. Yeah, it's been delayed to twenty second of May, apparently. So. Yeah. So I don't know. Might give that some attention. There's not much coming out in May. What's the developers? This Mojo Bones. I don't recognise those guys. I think this is their first game. That's quite cool. I'm yeah, I'm gonna keep an eye on that now that I know about it. Yeah, it still looks pretty cool. And yeah, guys, go look up in that winter. It does look pretty cool. Mm. Alright, what board games have you been playing? Let's get into the real part of the show. Come on, man. I've not been playing any, mate. Nah, come on, man. Come on, Paul. I know you, you fucking love playing board games. I've been, pl- I've been playing Splendor been playing Spent Splendor Digital and I actually bought Honor Room Digital while we were podcasting. Oh really? You have to let me know how that is, because I, I love it's, that card game. I I mean I really like the look of the card game when you bought it, and they're currently, as Modi Digital are, I think it's maybe a launch price, but they're doing it for 99p. So. Just remember, and it won't make any sense to you until you start playing it. Try and always have a key in your hand. Okay. All right. Try well, I, 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 yeah, I'll try that. Don't you worry. The key keeps away the nightmares. I'll be interested to see if that version actually has all of the expansions and stuff in it because the version they sell just now in a box of an Irem has like it's like six expansions in it or something like that. It's something crazy. So it'll be interesting to see if the digital version does as well. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not like the most complicated expansions ever. Nah, they're they not. They add some interesting new twists on the game basically. They kind of they're cool. I like it. Fair enough. A lot of that game. Right. Anything else? No, I think that's us. Should we go play video games instead of talking no, about I, I, video I'm, games? I'm gonna I'm gonna go drill over PC builds that I don't actually intend to buy. Jokes on you! I've been playing the Switch this whole time. <laughs> well, that's just mean. <laughs> I've been playing Graceful Explosion Machine. I'll talk about it next week because I've only played the first couple of levels. You shoot okay. things and they explode. Bye. Gracefully. Goodbye.